Yes, Father, we receive everything you have for us, God. God, all those breakthroughs we've been waiting on, God, we call them forth, Father. We call them forth. God, we thank you that you don't abandon us. God, that you finish everything you started. And if it's not good, it's not over. God, we just thank you, God. We thank you for all you've done for us. We thank you for dying on the cross. We thank you for saving us. God, we thank you for all the promises you've given us. God, let them come to fruition, Father, in your name. So we're going to go ahead and take communion together. And at this time, if you guys would just come on up and grab uh, one of the communion elements and just take it back to your seat and hold on to it. Don't be shy. And uh, we're going to read a scripture and we're just going to, I'm going to walk everyone through this communion time. Yeah, don't take communion yet. Just take it to your seat and hold on to it. This is a, a time where we're not going to rush through. We, we really want to contemplate. We want to just take some time and meditate on what Jesus did for us on the cross. hold on to your communion elements and we're going to take it together. Let's just read the scripture together. We'll start out with the word of God. I think that would be good. So the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. <clears throat> and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, this is my body. Don't think it looked quite like this, but matzah bread most likely, but that's okay. He said, when he gave the disciples the bread, he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We take this bread and remember the price Jesus paid on the cross. His body was broken. He paid the highest price. And when the nails went into his hands, he was doing this for you and me. His body, he, he allowed his body to be broken on the cross as a willing sacrifice. He willingly laid down his life for us. And this is a time where we, as we remember what he did for us, it's like a, an exchange of marital vows. He said, I'm giving you my body. What will you give me? He's asking us to give himself, give ourselves back to him. All he really wants is you. He just wants your heart. He just wants the most intimate, deepest place of who you are. So as we take this bread, we remember the price that was paid to reconcile us to himself, to reconcile us to the Father. He made a way for us to have a relationship with him, with God, the creator, our father. 
So as we take this, we remember in Jesus' name, we remember the price that was paid. We thank you, Jesus. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, he, has, he said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant, it's a new promise, a new agreement. It's like a will that was written. And once his death on the cross was completed, the will was put into effect. Every promise of the word of God, every promise that God has given us is yes and amen through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. In Jesus, all of God's promises are yes and amen. That means that as we take this cup and drink it and we remember the price that was paid by his blood being poured out for our sins, we, we know that this, this was what it took to wash away our sin. This is what it took to bring healing and reconciliation, physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, every part of your body, head to toe. He paid the price, his blood sets us free. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus will cleanse your conscience. If you have something on your conscience, this is the cure. The blood of Jesus will cleanse your conscience from, from things that lead to death. By his, by his stripes, by his blood, we are healed. Through the blood of Jesus, our sins are washed away and atoned for. So Jesus, we take this cup today and we remember the price and let your power be released in our bodies as we drink this cup and remember. We remember what you paid for and we receive it in Jesus' name. I really, I forgot to mention that we were gonna allow that prophetic word at the end of the worship time to go ahead and play through. Um, that was just released today. And I, we, well, hang on. I need to go turn that music down, but you can't turn the whole volume down. So. Oh, yeah. yeah, go take care of that. Talk a while. Yeah, we really felt like that word um, is for us, for our church and for everyone individually because we've all kind of been, in a sense, put on pause this last year. And many of you don't know, we were at Boys and Girls Club and then in our home for a while and more recently came back into a building just about a month ago, almost two months ago. And we are feeling this momentum. And so when we heard that word this morning, we were just like, yes, we're taking that. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're going to make ourselves at home like you guys. You know, this is our, if you didn't, if I haven't said this before when you're here, uh, we wanted the setting of this room to feel like our living room. That's why we're kind of, I think we might need to make it more of a, a little more of an arch, not so spread out, but taller chairs. Can you still see us if I duck down here? Not with that thing in the way. This way you guys know that we're not going to walk around the room and just start getting all loud and spitting on you as we're preaching. You know? <clears throat> I've been in churches where people really yell and spit, but we're, you know, when, when you start your own church, you get to do it how you want to do it. So we, we honestly, we don't, we try not to hype things up. We don't want to manufacture a move of God. We want to make room for him to come so that when he does move, you know it's not because of hyped upness or, you know, getting all. I mean, not to say that I won't actually get loud on occasion because there's times where God starts to touch my heart. And normally it's not in loudness that it comes out. It comes out through crying because I'm, I'm a big baby sometimes in the spirit. <clears throat> I just can't help it. Um, that's how God touches me. Some people fall down when they get touched and prayed for. When God starts to move, I cry. I've never fallen out in the spirit. I have been 
oftentimes drunk in the spirit. I feel tipsy when the presence of God touches me and really moves on me strong. Um, I feel just almost kind of dizzy at times. Tammy over here, she gets all shaky like electricity, her legs. Saw your shirt shaking a little while ago while we're worshiping. Um, everyone's different. We're all wired differently. You know, each one of you is an art piece that God the Creator made. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He formed you in the secret place. He wired you, your thumbprint, your fingerprint, everything about you is different. There is no other like you. And you are precious to him. You mean the world to him. You know, when we were remembering the cross, we remembered the price Jesus paid. You know, I believe that he has written our names on the palms of his hand. I think there's a scripture that says that. Um, you know, when we see Jesus someday face to face, we will, we will know him by the nail scars in his hand. So, we're just going to move on forward. I should do this. I'm going to set a little timer. What do you think, Tamara? Somebody tried to call me. As long as it's not my parents. Probably not. Let's see here. Do I still have the timer? Yes, right there. How much time do you guys want me to preach? <laughs> go for it. Okay, well, <clears throat> I would like it to be my goal not to go longer than 30 minutes. I would say that we would try to go less, but I'd be giving you an empty promise. So I'm just going to set it for 30, and we'll see what happens. I do want to make one little announcement. Um, if you've never heard of this before, there's this thing in our Christian world called the Seven Mountains. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, what? The seven mountains. Well, without going into all the details, because I actually don't remember all of the details, but there are certain prophetic people in the body of Christ over the years who have had some very specific key words that God had given them through a, a, down, a Holy Spirit download, and then they shared it with the overall body of Christ that moves in, I would say people that are in our stream, if you are in a church stream or denomination that believes in the gifts of the Spirit, that there are prophets that prophesy and that we can all actually prophesy. We can hear God and speak out what we hear him say. And what we mean by prophecy and prophesying, that's another day we'll talk about that, but it's not scary. But the seven mountain mandate was given to some people, some prophets in the body of Christ a number of years ago. And basically <clears throat> what the seven mountains are there are different spheres of influence in our society. So as you see, the seven mountains would be the economy, so people that work on Wall Street and the, the stock market, uh, if you're in financing, whatever, uh, government, so if you're in any form of government, family, if you are a person that focuses on family health and life, that would be one of our callings as, as a couple. Um, that, that family is a strong part of, of who we are. That is one of our mountains. Um, religion, which would be the church. Media, so you have, you know, arts and, not arts and entertainment, that's separate, but the media, so social media, the news, any, the, the radio waves, um, any way of communicating through technology, that would be the media. Education, so if you're like my sister, you, you teach kids. If you work in the school system and you're an educator, that would be your mountain that you're working on. And then there's the arts. I don't see a mountain for concrete workers, but I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Probably part of the economy, I would guess. But um, you don't, it's an art, exactly. Now, you don't have to know which mountain, which sphere of society that is your mountain. You don't need to know what that is right now. Um, but part of what we are, are going to be stepping into in the days ahead, we would like to go through this course that we won't be doing on a Sunday. We'll probably pick a Wednesday or maybe a Friday night. I would be welcome to any feedback for those who would like to, to attend this. I'm going to guess it would be an 8 to 10 week uh, once one night a week, we would come together and have a little bit of maybe a short worship, and then we would dive into it. But what we want to do is go through this curriculum by Johnny and Elizabeth Enlow. 
The Enlows are well-known prophetic voices in the body of Christ. They are uh, respected and connected by people like Bill Johnson and you know, the Bethel family. If you don't know who Bethel is, that's part of the, the network that we are connected to. So we would consider ourselves part of the Bethel Leaders Network. Um, so if you're curious, don't Google it because you're going to get all kinds of weird stuff about Bethel. <clears throat> Everything from self-appointed prophets and just all kinds of stuff. People have all kinds of issues that they make up and anything to discredit. But we have found, we, Tammy and I and our family, we found life through our, ex our exposure to Bethel Church. We got some new life and restoration brought into our hearts after a season of wandering. And so we had it in our hearts for years to plant a church, and it was through a Bethel conference that we received a prophetic word to plant a church. And God brought out the, the secret in our hearts that we were holding on to. We wanted to be church planters, and prophetic voices called out the secret and brought it out, and, and it just came with grace on it, fire, and we knew it was God's approval to do it. I say that just as a, as a quick side trail, because the time is ticking here. Five minutes is already gone. Um, so Bethel is our stream, but there are many other church streams that are kind of interconnected. And so the Enlows are connected in with like the Elijah List, which is a, you can go to the Elijah List website. Um, Steve, can't, Steve Schultz is a part of that. Uh, we were at a conference back probably about, I don't know, close to a month ago now. Um, in Bend, Oregon, and the Enlows were there, and Steve Schultz was there. It was a really powerful conference, and all of these speakers like Bill Johnson, Danny Silk from Bethel, and others, other people, um, that are all kind of coming to, there's this, this coming together of voices, but it, it's about this seven mountain mandate. See, we as a church, our, our brand of Christianity, if you want to call it that, um, we don't believe that our Christian experience was meant to just be kept in the walls of a building. That it's just you and Jesus and, and a Sunday go to meeting and then someday you'll die and go to heaven or Jesus will come back in the rapture and that's it. That's all you do. And you just put up with the people in the world in the meantime. We believe that Jesus called us to go. Jesus gave us the great commission to go into all the earth. Now, some people have a go to go to the nations, to go be a missionary. But that's not the only type of going. You and I get to go where God has put placed us. We have a sphere of influence. You might, you might call it uh, a sphere or a mountain or just whatever your realm of influence is in life. It may just be you and Jesus in your apartment if you're a single person. Or it may be you and Jesus and your family if you're just a family that's just new in the kingdom of God, you know, whatever, whatever it is, and then in your workplace, however big your sphere of connection with people goes, that is your sphere of influence. And the seven mountains give some specific titles of those spheres. So if, if you probably realize this by now, that those mountains that we just looked at, you know, especially when it comes to government and arts and entertainment and uh, the education system, all of that stuff, there are, there are demonic influences that almost would appear to be the kings of the mountains at this time. You might think that you can't get any news that's straight or real. You might call it all fake news. I call most of it fake news, but I've found sources. But whatever, whatever you see, the reality is, doesn't matter what I try to tell you is going on, the reality is, we are living in a spiritual battle. <clears throat> Jesus, well, actually, it wasn't Jesus. It was Paul. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood. You and I don't battle. We do have face-to-face -face interactions with people, but there's spiritual forces motivating people. We as Christians, we are spiritually motivated and led, hopefully, by the Holy Spirit. He is our, our life source. He is the one who, you know, over the weeks we've been talking about this in identity. He is the one who, who has come into your spirit and caused you to be born anew, born again. 
when the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, the day that you say, I believe, I, I put my trust in Jesus, the moment you've believed, Paul said in Ephesians 1, having believed, you were sealed like a stamp on an envelope or the envelope was licked, whatever, however you want to lick it, just sealed. You were licked. Just face it, Scott. That's what happened. You're like an envelope and God just licked you. He's like, he's mine. The hound of heaven chased you down, man, and now you belong to him forever. And you smell like him. But he's not a hound. He's the king of kings and lord of lords, and he smells like heaven. And so you carry the fragrance of God everywhere you go as you deliver concrete and you pour that stuff. The presence of God, the fragrance of heaven just emanates from who you are. And that all gets stronger and stronger through your intimacy with him. So we just bless you with that. Yep. Everywhere your feet go, you carry his presence. That's right. Moving temples. <laughs> well, guess what? Now you're a temple as well. That's what I heard. So, uh, so Ephesians 1, Paul said, having believed the moment you came to faith in Christ. See, you didn't choose him. He was pursuing you, and you just didn't realize it. Because Jesus said, nobody can come to the Father. Um, nobody can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father draws them. So God loves you so much that even when you're a sinner opposing him, he goes after you. He chases you down. He wants all people to come to him. If you think that there's a person in your life, in your family, that hates God, they may think that they hate God, but they're just covering up something that's deep inside of them that, that is crying out for that God. There's this, this longing inside of every created human being for, for truth and for life and for the reality of this creation to, to come to them and to, to come into their understanding. Well, let's just take a look at some scriptures. Well, wait, before we go on. So the, the summit, the, the curriculum, we, we want to take probably eight to ten weeks. I have to figure out how it's laid out. What we will do is come here to the building, and we will have a short worship and watch the videos. And there's a book. This is actually a book. It's a handbook. Um, and I believe that you can buy one online for about 20 bucks if you choose to do this. And if you can't afford the 20 bucks, you know, you could just talk to us if you really want to participate in this. But I think it would be well worth having the book so you can have it in your possession. And we will, we will look at what this whole seven mountain mandate thing is. I feel like it's going to be just, it's going to put fire in your spirit to go into the territory God has given you. It's going to put more of a purpose and a, yeah, just more purpose on what you do and where you go. As I go and deliver mail, I'm a mail carrier. That's my, my job. That's how, I, that's how I support my family and pay the bills. As I deliver mail, that is my sphere. I, that's part of the government, I guess. It doesn't matter if you're a president of the United States or a servant in that mountain. Your place as a believer is to influence, to bring the influence of heaven into that sphere. So let's just look at a scripture. Let's do this. So this is Isaiah chapter 9, 6 through 7. Anytime, just rip the microphone from me. We all know this. This is the, the famous Christmas scripture, but we're not going to read it at just Christmas because this isn't just meant for snow and Christmas trees and, and the manger scene to be set up on a stage and all the little kids with uh, their costumes and stuff. No, this is, this is for now. The word of God says in Isaiah, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. We know this is referring to Jesus. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. The government of Jesus, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, all the time when he was on the earth, all the way up until his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. He talked about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom of, his, of God is at hand. The kingdom of God will be within you. He said that when you see a miracle happen, know that that is a demonstration of the kingdom. See, there is a kingdom of this earth, which actually now belongs to Jesus, but it's not fully 
under his rule and reign. But the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdom of our God. But the kingdom of heaven, God's plan is that that kingdom would break in into the earth. That we would be the tools, we would be the sons and daughters of heaven that enforce, that, that sounds a little strong. People can get scared with words like enforce the kingdom or when you use words like dominion, you know, we are here to take dominion, but it's not about violence. It might be about spiritual violence, but we have weapons of warfare. We won't go into what those weapons are, but we don't pack guns and go kill people that don't come to Jesus. We're not, we're not Muslims, you know. Not all Muslims in America do that, but in other countries. It's true. Some country, we just watched that this morning. There was missionaries in, a, in an Islamic country, and they are not allowed to preach the gospel. You're not allowed to practice Christianity because you will be either put in prison or killed. It's against their laws. But the kingdom of God that has come into your life, God never intended it for, intended for it to be trapped just within your body or to be trapped in a holy huddle on a Sunday evening or a Sunday morning. His purpose and plan was that he would he would put his spirit, his, the one who embodies, the Holy Spirit, who embodies the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 14 says, the kingdom of heaven is not about eating and drinking. It's not about whether or not you eat meat or pork or whatever. It's not about wine or, or just water. It's, it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. So when the Spirit of God came to live inside of me and inside of you, you received a deposit of the kingdom. And that kingdom, his government, his, the king's domain, so kingdom means the dominion of the king. Wherever Jesus is king and ruling, that is where the kingdom is established. Starts in your heart. Starts in your sphere of influence. And that might just be you and Jesus or you and your family or a little bit beyond that or, or more. Um, but the kingdom, God's intent is that his kingdom would increase, it would expand. So let's look at another scripture here. Luke chapter 17, 20 through 21. And this is the, if you see TPT on the bottom, that just means the passion translation. I kind of bounce in and out of it. I love it because it really just brings new life to some scriptures that I've read over the years and a little bit of, a little bit of more of a depth to it. It's passionate. But it's not the only scripture version that I use. So I would encourage you to use multiple versions of the Bible as just a side note. So Jesus was once asked by the Jewish religious leaders, when will God's kingdom come? Jesus responded, God's kingdom does not come simply by obeying principles. It's not about eating and drinking rules and regulations or waiting for signs. It's not about is the end coming? Is the kingdom coming? Is that the Antichrist over there at the Davos Convention? And is, a, is a ruler Xi? Anyway, you, know, you can try to figure out who the Antichrist is and try to you know, calculate. Is Jesus going to return? Is the rapture going to happen? The kingdom of God does not come by simply obeying principles or waiting for signs. The kingdom is not discovered in one place or another. For God's kingdom realm is already expanding within some of you. It's leaking out. It's oozing out of your pores. That's right. And, and it's your privilege as a son or daughter of God to, to exercise the things that God has given you, the tools he's given you to grow his, his kingdom inside of you so that his kingdom will exude more and more increasing measures. And really what it looks like is it looks like you looking like Jesus. It's Jesus living through you more and more. You don't have to grow a beard. Don't worry, Anna. You don't have to look like Jesus that way. You don't have to, you don't have to put on a robe and sandals you know, and look like the hippie guy. But Jesus wants to manifest himself through you and me. So it's expanding. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Now if anyone is enfolded, if anyone is in Christ, if you are enfolded in him, so when you become a believer in Jesus, not only does Jesus get to live inside of you, that's part of how you know you're a son or daughter of God, the Spirit of God is in you, also you're now in Christ. 
you have become a part of his body by the spirit. There's this one Holy Spirit, and when you're in Christ, you are, you are part of that body. You're part of his body. So if you're enfolded into Christ, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he or she has become an entirely new person. So guess what? The day you said yes to Jesus and you were born again, the old you died. I don't know how it happens. It's a miracle of salvation. But, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, something, actually on Easter. Something miraculous happened when you gave your life to Jesus. You were like translated into a new person. The old person was, was considered, well not considered, the old person died, dead. And somehow in God's miracle, mysterious way, he united your life that was now dead that is now dead he united it with jesus on the cross so you died the day jesus died on the cross you died with him and you were also buried with him in his burial and when you get baptized you are reenacting in a physical way your burial of that old person and when you come up out of that water you are you are declaring to the world as a testimony I am a new creation in Christ, raised with Jesus from the dead. So when, you, when Jesus died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and rose again and ascended on high, you, as a believer, the day you said yes to Jesus, you were knit into that whole process of death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. I'm reading a book right now called Secrets of the Seer by Jamie, uh, Jamie Galloway another guy that we got exposed to recently. He's traveled with Randy Clark and stuff. He's, he's a prophetic seer, and he was talking about how you and I are bilocational. Right now, we're sitting in this room. This is a physical room on planet Earth in Bremerton, Washington, 98310. At the same time we're sitting here, if you are in Christ, you are also seated with Jesus. You are seated with him in the heavenly realm. That means heaven is not necessarily way up there, a million miles up into outer space. The, the kingdom of heaven, the realm of heaven, is actually right here. Many people will say it's like a thin veil. All you have to do is lean in. Lean into the presence of God. Lean into the kingdom. It blows my mind when I talk about it. I'm starting to get all goosebumpy right now, so I'll just kind of chill for a second here. Okay. If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he is a new creation. That's not what that says. He has become an entirely new person. NIV says new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Who you were in the past is dead. They're no longer in existence. You don't have to worry about, well, but I did this, but I did that, but I was such a bad person. Paul had people killed. He had Christians killed, put to death until he got saved. So if Jesus can save Paul, he can save you and you can forget all about the past everything is fresh and new and god made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given let me read that again and god has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to god some say that the gospel is like a starving person who found bread going and finding other starving people and leading them to the bread. You got reconciled to God, and now you get to go tell people. You get to urge them to be reconciled to God. There's more to that scripture. In other words, it was through the anointed one, speaking of Jesus, that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. He does not keep a record of your sins anymore. The cross the cross obliterated your sins. In fact, people when they die who don't know Jesus aren't going to go to hell because of their sins. They're going to go to hell and be separated from God because they rejected the one who took away the sins of the world. So it's not, don't fix your, your focus on what people are doing. Well, they're doing that, so they're not going to go to heaven. No. If it was based on your do's and don'ts, you wouldn't go to heaven either. It's only through the blood of Jesus that you and I have remission, removal of sins. So God is shepherding the world, not even keeping record of their transgressions, and he has entrusted to you and me the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation, 
reconciliation, <laughs> opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. Be reconciled to God. We, all he wants you to do is love on people and just say, Jesus loves you so much. He paid the price for your sins. He just wants you to come and belong to him. He just wants you to be his own. He wants to take you under his arm and give you new life and strength and purpose and hope in this dark world. I was going to look at a, the, one of the uh, footnotes for that word ambassadors. This was from the Passion Translation. To be ambassadors, we all know what natural ambassadors do. They go to other countries and represent the country they came from. To be ambassadors for Christ <clears throat> means that we are his diplomatic agents of the highest rank sent to represent King Jesus. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. You get to represent King Jesus and his kingdom. That is part of your inheritance. You've been given a title, ambassador for Christ. Authorized to speak on his behalf. You have permission. You have now been commissioned, if you didn't know it. You have been commissioned and authorized to declare the word of God, to speak the words of Christ. On his behalf, we are the voice of heaven to the earth, invested with royal power through the name of Jesus and authority of his blood. Royal power. You know, when you receive Jesus, and I heard that was a couple days ago for you. Is that true? A couple months. Okay. So whether it was a couple days or a couple months, Something happened. Yep. Yeah, when you, when, yeah. You probably, uh, just the moment you put your faith in Jesus, you sealed the deal with the prayer, but I, I have a feeling that the, the line is often not so specific when we actually say the prayer. So I wouldn't worry. Yeah, exactly. It's not always, but sometimes it is important for a person to make a decision. Yeah. So that's good. He's discipling you. But so... So this, what was I looking at? Oh, you've been, in, you've been invested with something. When you said yes to Jesus and you, you received him, God put something inside of you. He put the Holy Spirit inside of you, but that Holy Spirit, he represents a kingdom with a king, which means there's royalty inside of you. There's, there's like royalty. I don't know how, what other word to use. You have this royal power inside of you. It is like gold and you are a princess. Yes, we are kings and priests. So John chapter 1, I love this verse. We talked about this a couple times now. Well, many times for some of us. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right and I always have to emphasize that word because in the English, that's how it's translated. But that word in the Greek is exousia. That's how I say it. But the proper way to say it is exousia. So I'm not a Greek expert, but I do know that word. Exousia. He gave you exousia, which means regal or royal authority. Boom. You have it in you. This is not a happy self-talk or, you know, I'm not trying to give you a positive thing just to make you feel better about yourself. What I want to do is unpack the scripture so that you and I know exactly what Jesus did for us and what is in you. Like the devil, the devil wants to keep you and me and every other believer out there blinded to who they truly are. They want, he does not want people to come into an understanding of the power that they carry. Because if you discover who lives inside of you and the power you carry and the authority you've been given to speak his words and demonstrate his kingdom, the devil is in a bunch of trouble. The devil is in a creek without a paddle when the sons and daughters of God know who they are and begin to demonstrate the kingdom by going against his kingdom and destroying the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 
And the answer, God's answer, once Jesus was raised from the dead after the cross and went to heaven, that the Holy Spirit that was operating in his life as a human being, even though he was fully God, the same Holy Spirit that, was, that Jesus was operating in to do all of the signs, miracles, and wonders and demonstrating the kingdom, that same Holy Spirit was released on the church, was released on us. You and I have resurrection power living inside of us, and it is, it is that kingdom power that the devil is afraid of. And as you grow in it and protect it and cultivate it and release it, learn how to get it out of you. Learn how to use your mouth and release the words of God with authority because you, you know, you realize that you are his ambassador. You are his mouthpiece. And you get permission and the privilege and the commission to speak his words. And you get to destroy the works of the devil through your words through your declarations. So you have exousia. Say it with me, exousia. Or if you want to say it the fun way, exousia. Sounds more Italian or something. We'll just pay attention to that a little bit. 30 seconds. There's really not a whole lot more to go. So if you guys are patient, I will run through some of this. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6 in the ESV, that's the English Standard Version, which is a really awesome word-for-word translation. Not thought-for-thought, but word-for-word put together for one of the most accurate translations if you're looking for accuracy in word-to-word. But God, but God, so there's a whole bunch of stuff before that. Hey, look at that, we're in the red now. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. There is nothing you can do to earn it. and Don't even try. If you try to earn it, you're saying that what you did on the cross was not enough. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Bi-locational. You're sitting right here in this room, but at the same time you're seated right next to Jesus. So you can just lean over and say, hey Jesus, how's it going? Thank you God for seating me next to you. Thank you for wrapping your arm around me. You know, Jesus said, you know, um, for those who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. He said, come to me, I'll give you rest. I'll, I'll let you take my yoke upon you. I'll put my arm around you. And you can come and get rest, and you can just follow me. Let me walk you through this life. So we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Matthew chapter 16, we read about this, I think, last week, because we were talking about this really fun word that means something really important. And we'll probably go into it a little bit more. The seven mountain people, people that are into that uh, seven mountain theology, like to emphasize this word because it really does wake us up to something that's very important. And that word is ecclesia. So Jesus said, I give you the name Peter, which means a stone, and this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my ecclesia. Let's say it again together. Ecclesia. Ecclesia. It just sounds good to speak another language once in a while. Before you know it, you'll be speaking in tongues. <laughs> just ask just ask Anna. She's like, I'll speak in tongues for you. <laughs> She's like, don't don't tempt me. Yes. So Jesus said that on this rock, found this this foundation, on this rock, I will build my church. Now we translated it as church in the New Testament. It's the first time the word church was used by Jesus. He didn't say, I will build my temple, my synagogue. He said, I will build my ecclesia. Very interesting that we translate it as this word church, which in most minds is, well, I know what a church looks like. It's that building over there. I see one right across the water over there. It's got a it's brick. It's a holy, uh, the uh, Catholic church, the star of the sea. I can see Lincoln Avenue Bible Church over there. Hey, look, there's a church right here called Legacy City Church. Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, which means my legislative assembly. My legislative assembly. You are a legislature. You are an ambassador, and you are 
a governor. You are a legislator of the things of God. You get to legislate into the earth the kingdom. And the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys, Jesus said. The keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So you and I get the the fun of discovering, well, what is in heaven right now? Is there cancer? No. Well, then, if I see cancer here, I get to be used by God as I listen to how he tells me how to do this because it's, it's key to have an intimate relationship with him and learn to discern his voice. We need discernment, right? Discernment. That's how people say it. I just laugh when I hear that. Um, we need to discern the voice of God. Jesus didn't heal people the same every time. One guy, he spit on the ground, made mud out of the spit, and stuck it on his eyes, and this go wash. Other people, he just put his fingers or laid his hands. Other people, he just commanded. He did things in different ways because he was, he was hearing the voice of the Father. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying, Jesus said. Intimacy is the key. You get to cultivate that intimacy through time with him. But he says, I will give you the keys. The keys, Christ was declaring his church would have keys, which is authority. You and I are given the authority of heaven to lock the gates of hell, basically. I'll read that clearly instead of muttering through it. Christ was declaring his church would have keys or authority to lock the gates or government of hell and open the gates or the government of heaven. So we get to be the ones to bring the government of heaven, the kingdom of God, into the earth. A lot of people don't realize this. A lot of Christians are just waiting for the kingdom to come. The kingdom is a now and later. Isn't that a candy? It's a now and later. You get to have it later for sure. Most Christians are waiting for the the later, but they don't realize, well, I could have the kingdom now. So I don't have to create a theology around sickness killing someone and saying, well, it was just the will of God. You know, he sent cancer because, you know, to teach me a lesson. No, God did not send cancer to teach anyone a lesson. He sent Jesus to teach cancer a lesson. He sends you and me to go confront those forces of hell, those spirits of sickness and bondage and whatever spiritual forces are at work on people's lives, and we get to break those powers. Makes me think of mom's testimony of being at work and someone was coughing and just sick and she's putting her hands on them and saying, be healed in Jesus' name and them being like, whoa, I felt that. I, they could feel the power. And how are they doing now? You don't... See? There you go. They've been healed. Awesome. So <laughs> this is a different time, a different message for a different time, but last week we smidgened into it a little bit. We talked a little about this whole thing about... Um, how God wants you and me, you and I, to learn how to command. See, there's, we are kings and priests. Priests petition God on behalf of people. Kings release the decrees of God to people. And there's times where you and I get to petition God for something, and there's times when we know it's the will of God that something in heaven is different than what I'm seeing on earth. We actually get to do kingly ministry because we are a royal priesthood, and we get to decree or declare what, what we know is true in heaven to come into the earth. So when I prayed for my dad, we prayed for my dad's heart to be healed, we didn't say, God, please, please, Lord, have mercy, heal his heart. There might be a time for that kind of prayer, but no, we we felt the faith of heaven rising up within us, and we made the declaration. We said, we, we declare over your heart, we speak to your heart, we say, new life. We declare into your heart life and strength and health. We speak to your body, and we say, be healed, be restored. I just speak it now. I just speak over to your spirit right now. Arise, woman of God. Arise, men of God. Arise, children of God. Arise in your destiny. I declare over you the fire of heaven has been released on your life, that you are to burn brightly with Jesus, that you are to be a fire, you are to be a light in this dark world. In Jesus' name. Okay, that was a declaration. Yes. Okay, sorry, I gotta go. 
I got to calm down. And right here, this speaks right to what he's saying. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. And we talked about that last week. You know, it could be a, a, a kingly priesthood. Um, I was just reading some, some more deeper dive into this royal priesthood part of who we are. And there's a, a, a link into the book of Hebrews where it says Jesus came from this, this priesthood called the Melchizedek priesthood. The order of Melchizedek. Now that sounds kind of weird. You know, it sounds like is he speaking about some kind of cult thing or something? No, Jesus. This there's this Old Testament figure, and I'm not going to go into it now. But there's this person in the Old Testament that appeared, whose name was Melchizedek. He was a king, and Jesus came into the earth and functioned in the earth in that same order of Melchizedek, who was a kingly priest. <clears throat> that priesthood is an order. If Jesus is a part of that priesthood, I would probably guarantee that you and I are a part of it too because he is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. You have a royal identity. You have been brought into the priesthood of all believers when you gave your life to Jesus. You are ordained by God to be a minister, a voice for him. It doesn't, you don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to speak from a pulpit. This is not the only place to minister. You get to take the, the gospel. You get to take the kingdom and influence of heaven into all the earth everywhere you go. So you are a, royal, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Let that one sit on you. Holy nation, when you find yourself leaning towards unholiness, remind yourself, go look in the mirror, slap yourself, throw some cold water on your face, say, whoa, I'm not, I'm not born again for unholiness. I wasn't meant for sin. Go splash the water on your face. Okay, psh, psh. I am a holy nation. I am a holy nation. I'm a saint. I've been sanctified. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. A people for his own possession that you may proclaim, aha, this is what we're going to finish up with. We'll end on this. You've been chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You've been designed and set apart to be a holy nation. You've been born again to be his own possession. You belong to him. He's your, you are his. You belong to him. You don't get a right to just do whatever the heck you want. Okay. Now, there's a lot of freedom in Christ. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. But it's not freedom to indulge your sinful nature. It's freedom to walk out of bondage and sin habits and to walk in holiness. But not only that, you get to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, we're going to look at this word excellencies. You guys good with this? We're going to end with this. Emily's not here to... Emily was here last week... And I gave her permission just to wave her hand when it was going too long. And now we're 15 minutes over. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Excellencies. This is it. As a royal priesthood, we are to proclaim his excellencies. What does that mean? I had to look it up in, in the uh, Greek again because for that verse. Blue Letter Bible. Get the app on your phone if you want to look at the Greek words. It's really, really handy. This is the Greek word, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, erede, or erete, probably way different than that. It's probably Spanish way is probably even more accurate. Does it sound like a Spanish word? Arete? Probably something like that. Okay, so excellencies, we are to proclaim the arete of him who called us out of darkness. The Greek word erete also means superiority. Hmm. I'm a Christ supremacist. That's kind of fun to say. <laughs> that might make people cringe a little bit. But you can say it. Anna, you can say it. I'm a Christ supremacist. I preach the supremacy of Christ. <laughs> Sounds, Ethan's like, stop, Scott. Oh, you don't say Scott. Stop, Dad. Okay. I thought it was fun, you know, because all of that stuff that we're dealing with in our world right now is just, it's just a distraction of the devil. The enemy wants us to focus on all of that stuff. He wants us to focus on skin color or, or nationality or whatever. That's not what God has for us. 
The Greek word, we are to declare the superiority, the excellencies, the arete. One lexicon calls it virtue as a force or energy of Holy Spirit accompanying, accompanying the preaching of the glorious gospel. Hmm. So in other words, when you declare the excellencies of heaven, there is power on those words. There is an anointing of heaven on those words. So when I say, maybe said to my dad's heart when we said it, we speak life. There was actually life was on those words. And our, our willingness to speak God's word into a certain situation, God rests on that and releases his power through the word. It's pretty fun. If you learn how to walk in this more and more, you're like, you start to get confidence. You'll be like, you know, you may not even say it out loud next to someone, but you can see somebody's like weighed down by something in the workplace, and you just might be like, just stand next to them and just speak in tongues quietly where they can't hear you because they might think you're weird. And if they do hear you, just say, oh, I'm just, uh, just praying, just speaking in another language. Okay. As representatives of King Jesus, we are called to proclaim the superiority of God. We have the privilege of releasing the force or energy of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not saying the Holy Spirit is a force or an energy, but he, the person, the Holy Spirit, has power for you and I to release or energy or exousia, authority, whatever it is that he wants to, you know, the dunamis power, that dynamite power. It's the force or energy of Holy Spirit as we proclaim the good news of Christ. Why don't we stand up? Let's stand up. You guys are bored, I can tell. <laughs> okay, so we're just going to shake a leg a minute here. I do want to make time for if anyone wants prayer. You know, we just we can come up, up and hang out here. We'll put some quiet music on. And if, even if it's not right away, if it's later, you're just kind of hanging out. And you're like, yeah, I really could use some prayer. It doesn't have to be. We don't, what we don't want to do is set it up so that you're standing up here in front of everyone, feeling uncomfortable, but you really want the prayer so you're willing to you know, push through the, we, we don't need to do that. We can pray anytime, any place in this room, even pray later over the phone. It doesn't matter. Just whatever we want to make room for that. We don't want anyone ever to leave this place with a burden that they're carrying that we could have prayed for and agreed with heaven with you for that thing to be broken through. We don't want to miss those opportunities. So we'll, we'll make time for that. Okay. Just want you all to know we're going to, we're available for that. Not just Tammy and I. There's pretty much everyone in this room is ready to do it, I think. Okay, so you want to pray? Okay. So let's just do this. Let's just put our hands out before God, and we just thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that you are a good, good Father. You are the Father of heavenly lights. You are the Father of the angel armies, the hosts of heaven. You do not change. You do not turn like shifting shadows. You are faithful and true. You are steadfast in all your ways. And you are here with us, your sons and daughters. And we just put our hands out before you to receive your good gifts. We receive whatever gift it is that you might want to put in our hands tonight. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are so good and so wonderful in all your ways. We gladly bring ourselves to you and, and yield. We submit. We surrender anew, afresh, again. We give all that we are to you tonight. We just want to be yours. We don't want to even have to try to figure out who we are by what we do. We just want to belong to you. We want to be your sons and daughters. We want to work with you and move with you in the earth. We want to see your supernatural realm, the kingdom of heaven, be manifested in our lives. Help us, God. God, forbid that we would live boring Christian lives where there's no activity of heaven moving through us. Lord, we just say release the angels. Let our angelic uh, overseers, the protectors that you've given us, our guardians, let them come. The, you said in your word that they are, they are winds and flames of fire. So let the winds and flames of fire he of heaven come and surround us. They've come to release refreshing, release strengthening, just as they did for Jesus, for you, King Jesus, after you were tempted in the desert for all of those days. The angels came and refreshed you and ministered to you. So, Father, we say release your servants. Release the butlers of heaven to come. 
and let them come and minister life and strength in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. Let, let your presence surround, as we sing tonight, surround us. Go before us, behind us. You are with us. You are with us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that we will never be alone, that we are your ambassadors, that we carry your presence everywhere we go. We love you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. All right. Amen.